The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The text for our meditation this morning are the words that were read for you earlier, especially from our epistle reading. Let us pray. Lord of life, be with us as we hear your words that were written by the Apostle Peter. Help us to see how they are applied to our lives as we seek to always be prepared to make a defense for the hope Jesus has given us. In his name we pray. Amen. So hope is the word of the day. Hopefully you picked up on that word in the different hymns as well as our scripture readings and also in our liturgy for today. Hope for life is the theme for this Sunday, Lutherans for Life Sunday. Lutherans for Life is a pan-Lutheran group that emphasizes how life is a gift that God has given to us from the moment of conception to the end of our life and how important it is for us to remember and support this special gift of God. This is a definition for hope. It, in fact, today we're going to look at specifically in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. The definition for hope, according to Google yesterday, is a feeling of expectancy and desire for a certain thing to happen. That is looking forward to the day when things are going to change and become better than what we have at the present time. So who needs hope when everything seems to be going so well? If you were to ask the people who lived in the Apostle Peter's day, especially those who were living in Rome, they might have simply said, we don't need hope. I mean, after all, we are living in the Pax Romana, 200 years of military peace in our empire. It's a wonderful time to live. They also had political unity and economic stability. And their engineers were innovative, and they had philosophical insights. Their artists, their sculptors, and their poets created masterpieces and monuments that are popular even today. They didn't seem to need hope, but there were those who did. Those people, for example, the women who were considered to be property, slaves were treated like animals. The poor were oppressed and the minorities were persecuted. The elderly were discarded. The disabled were exiled. Babies were aborted or abandoned. And epidemic infections decimated the population. There was rampant promiscuity, governmental corruption, and judicial discrimination. It was indeed difficult for those people. But what about today? How has our time changed? Our day in which we live, are we better off than those people in those days? There are many people today who would certainly say, of course we are much better off. Everything is going so well, we really don't need to have any hope. After all, take a look at all the new discoveries and inventions that we have that continue to be created, it seems, every day. 
Then we also take a look at the medical advances and all of the different things that are going on to meet the inventions especially that have been created to help us to have recognize that we have needs that we didn't even know that we had. The medical advances have helped us to extend our life expectancies. Our automation has increased our leisure but lowered our costs. Our agricultural revolutions have indeed provided surplus resources as well as the ability to provide a more equitable distribution. We are, ex- we are inhabiting and we are exploring, in fact, outer space and everything like that. We have, instead of focused on trying to conquer people, we focused on tolerating and cooperating with others. So many people that see human beings as so very similar in a much smaller world that is much more accessible. So with all of these positives that many people will see in our world, the question that many of them may say is, who needs Christian hope after all? Isn't Christian hope obsolete and irrelevant? Aren't Christians ignorant, gullible, intolerant, hypocritical, and delusional? Who would want to believe in those ridiculous things and those silly little rituals? Based on these responses, we as Christians might want to ask the question, Why? Why should I even bother to give a defense for the hope of Jesus that is in me when there are people today who don't even want to listen or even care? That's what the devil wants us to think. That's what the devil wants us to believe. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus would instead have us ask the question, are you happy with your life? Take a look at what's going on in your world. Pain oftentimes persists despite progress and prosperity. Ask people how things are going, and we know that things aren't necessarily going so well. People try to lose weight without success again and again. People find themselves coming and going, taking their kids to their practices, their games, or their tournaments. People lose sleep over their credit cards or bank overdrafts. And there are many who struggle with opioid abuse or any number of different abuses. Everyone has a story and a reason for their struggles. And Jesus knows exactly what's going on in every person's life. Jesus cares more about them than anyone else. And Jesus has hope for them. Jesus wants things to be better for them. And yet for them and even for us as sinful human beings, 
we tend to underestimate what Jesus is doing in their life and even in our very own. And even underestimate what Jesus is capable of doing. It's oftentimes difficult to believe that Jesus won't give up on a person. But he doesn't. Instead, Jesus wants them to have hope. He wants them to have hope. Just as a little sprig comes out of the ground, that seed of life that is watered and given sun and fertilizer, it can burst forth and give hope that things can indeed get better. It may be easy for us to think that these examples that were given earlier about running and trying to lose weight and everything else like that are only found among non-believers, but you know that's not true. Now, there are many Christians who still struggle because we too, as sinful human beings, are not immune to the challenges, to the sinful temptations of our world. Yes, Jesus knows what's going on. And Jesus does not give up so easily on people. Jesus came into our world as a little embryo. He grew to be a human being, as a, grew to be a man, grew to be a one who would listen to people, sit down with people, care about people, and help people. As he taught them, as he forgave them, as he continued to lift them up, and even for those who were grieving the loss of a loved one, he raised some of their loved ones from the dead. Yes, Jesus is the one who can come into people's lives even today. Just as he forgave people their guilt and their shame, Jesus is here to give hope for people today. Jesus came in the flesh, and he will continue to love and protect us with his faithfulness. Jesus is here among us. The prophet Isaiah foretold that day when Jesus would bear the sins of all people, that you and I and all people might be forgiven and set free. But thankfully, Jesus does what is best, not just what is the easiest. He makes people get better and not just feel better. The Apostle Peter encourages us to share this hope that Jesus has given to each and every one of us, especially as we consider the attacks on human life today. We look at that plant that continues to grow and grow and it continues to remind us that our Lord is the one who continues to give hope to each and every one of us. And how are we to share this hope? Peter tells us, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Gentleness with respect Jesus has given us hope. Remember that definition. It's a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen for the better. Jesus doesn't want people to feel burdened. Jesus wants people to be forgiven. 
So what kind of a hope can we share with people who are struggling with making decisions? People will inquire about our hope. As they inquire, we can in fact help them to know that he is there. For the person who has an unintended pregnancy, John tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he bore our griefs and our sorrows. Friends may wonder, what about zygotes and embryos? We can declare to them, God chose what is low and despised in the world so that no human being might boast. Relatives might inquire, how is there hope in congenital abnormalities? And we can share with them cheerfully. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Acquaintances may ask, why is there hope for incapacitated or unresponsive cases? And we can share with them these words, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Or people may ask, colleagues may demand, why is there hope in miscarriage and barrenness? And we can share with them, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all will also with him graciously give us all things. Clients may also ask the question, where's hope for the ad abortion advocates and the euthanasia enthusiasts? And we can respond, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more shall we be saved by his life. And critics will object, where's the hope in modesty and chastity? And we can humbly assert, he is transforming our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Skeptics will speculate, can I have hope when the damage is irreversible and the condition incurable? And we will warmly assure them, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And for the people who are suffering, and they may plead, can I have hope when my diagnosis is terminal? And we will affectionately promise them, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. There is humanity in suffering. There's still opportunity in uncertainty. There's promise in weakness. And there's still an enjoyment in the unexpected. Where there's life, there is hope. For our gracious and our compassionate God continues to be with us each and every day. He promises to help us to be ready to make a defense for the hope that is in us. May God make it so. Amen.